Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. Sports to the Max. Twins win 14-4 over the Oakland A's to take the series and move on to Kansas City. Trying to continue to get healthy. You'll hear it on Friday night, 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock on 830 WCCO. Joining us in the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline. The man who runs Canterbury Park, Randy Sampson. And, uh, Randy, you couldn't get a much nicer night so far for, for race and opening night than, than tonight, could you? Nope, you are right, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me on tonight. We are having a lovely opening day here. The sun's still shining. Got uh, four races in already and four more to go, including a couple of stakes. And, you know, a nice crowd for opening day. So off to a great start. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you tonight was, you know, the after effect of the Kentucky Derby and the Minnesota Lions involved in that. I know you know the owners and the, and the groups well that were out there uh, competing in it. Um, why did? Let me ask you a couple of novice questions. Why this year? Did, did is that just pure chance that the Minnesota owners ended up with the right bloodlines and the right horses that all of a sudden uh, they're front and center in, in the Kentucky Derby? Yes, um, it was quite a coincidence, and and I've been, you know, we bought the track in 1994, and and for five years or more, I guess, prior to that, I was very involved in racing, and this is the first time that anybody from uh, Minnesota, you know, Canterbury racing people have have, uh, participated, and so (laughs) it was highly unusual to get two of them, you know, and one, one of them is a guy, Jeff Drown, who... You know, both Barry Butso and his wife and and Jeff, you know, go to Kentucky and buy some nice horses. So they're, you know, they're serious players in the industry. It's not like this was a total fluke. But in the case of Jeff, you know, he has, I would say he's chased the Derby. He's he's uh, wanted to find the right horse and get a chance to race in the Derby. Barry, you know, has had a lot of horses. I don't think he ever, he never really expected to go. And, and in fact, had one that he bred, so that's really cool. I mean, that that's even more uh, difficult, yeah. more unique. That to have your own mare that you race, take it to a stallion, you know, get a nice baby, and all of a sudden you got your uh, a horse that you know you bred in the Kentucky Derby. So, yeah, my my main aftermath of the Derby, I actually got to go. I, I went this year, Mike. Because Did you go? Yeah, with our two local people, I wanted to go yeah. support the cause. Thought it'd be fun. You know, again, I've never really had a chance to go to the Derby when I knew the owner, knew some owners, and I came back with an empty wallet and a, and a uh, case of COVID. So I, oh, I uh, no, you got a double whammy, huh? Yeah, I got the double whammy. So I'm just about like everybody, I'm, I'm feeling fine now and and off my quarantine, and but. Uh, 
a lot of us, you sound like you've got a cold or something going on. It's, just, it's just, just a little, yeah. but I've been good. Yeah, you know, I've been able to avoid it so far. But you, I, yeah. I would imagine a lot of people may. I mean, 150,000 people is 150,000 people, right? Yeah, right. There was about. Uh, there's a whole group that went down there on one of the Steve Urban Charters. I know you talked oh, to yeah. Steve, and uh, they did a great job organizing and, and had a fun fun weekend. But of my family and friends, there was 10 of us that went, and I think five of us ended up with COVID. So... But it, but again, it's you know nobody's nobody's sicker than just a just a cold. Well, yeah, but along those week. lines, Randy, as long as you bring it up, I mean, we're going into another phase of COVID. It seems like it doesn't seem as severe in terms of what people get, and I know you have to respect it. But but how do you know? For you've been dealing with this the third season, you've had to deal with it in one way, shape, or form. How do you deal with that out at, at Canterbury? I just feel like we're all kind. Of, I don't know if we're educated or uneducated about this anymore. Yeah, I don't know either, Mike. It. Uh, but you know, business as usual now. I mean, people aren't wearing masks, and, yeah. and you know, people are having a good time. And and again, it's it, you know, at least the impacts are are you know, we do have a, quite a few employees again that are starting to test positive and need to take some time off. But um, very very few are having any 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 serious symptoms. So it does seem like we're down now to where for most people like me, it was. It was just a cough, and now it's gone, and we move on. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, if this is, who knows when it's going to go away. But good news is it does, you know, uh, you know, in the Derby, the place is packed. People weren't wearing yep. masks. There were 150,000 people there having a good time and hooting and hollering. And, and so it's nice to see, you know, life getting somewhat back absolutely, to normal. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I want to go back to when you breed a horse like that, and let's say the goal is Kentucky Derby. Uh, aside from the bloodlines... What can you do to raise a horse to be a Kentucky Derby entrant? I mean, you know, we, with athletes, we talk about they got to have natural ability, but you have to work really, really hard. You got to train this muscle, put them on this diet. Is that true in horse racing as well, or do you either get the right bloodlines or you don't? Oh no, I'm sure there is. Uh, you know, we've I haven't I haven't personally experienced it, but uh, but for sure, you know, you can the way you raise a horse, train a horse, and and develop a horse certainly will have an impact on how successful it is. In this case, just as a kind of an interesting sidebar, and, and I really want to stress that at Canterbury we've got great trainers, great horsemen, you know, that have been yep. in the business a long time and done a good job. But, you know, in this case, both of these trainers um, had, you know, had used local trainers, had used a variety of trainers when they're racing around the country, both of these Minnesota owners. And but both of them recently gave you know their nicer horses to you know what are really two of the top trainers in the country. You hear about Baffert, who's got his issues right now, but yeah. the other two guys, Brad Cox and and uh, I'm drawing a blank right now on the on the other name, but they the ended up you know getting their horses to the you know two of the best trainers in the country. And so I have to look at that and say that's not a coincidence. You know that these guys are successful for a reason and and they do tend to you know have top horses in the top races chad brown is the other one that uh, uh was was the trainer for for jeff drown and so i i do believe getting to the right trainers and and having the right program clearly is a you know is a big factor in in that success do you anticipate this does a lot uh, for the track or are your crowds going to be basically the same and, and somewhat contingent on weather as much as anything else yeah, probably. It's you know usually there isn't a lot of long term carryover from these things, but it certainly was great PR, great uh, great to see you know local horses running. Barry Butso, who 
had Zozos in the race, just won the the uh, I think the second race here at Canterbury tonight. So Did he? he's off to a good start, but but yeah, it uh, uh, will you know continue to see you know how how you know how things play out. But I I do think the exposure was great for Minnesota. What gets in the blood of an owner? I mean, I mean, uh, you know, you and I competed when we were kids for a long time. We played baseball in there. We, we did lots of sports and whatnot. Does this become an extension for many? You know, we can't keep playing for our whole lives. Do, do, are most owners driven uh, because they were uh, athletes at one time and, and this is their new form of competition? What, what gets inside them? What's their DNA makeup? I really think that is the case. Um, the uh, it is a it is the competition. I know that's with my family and my dad uh, when he had the horses. It was a love of the horses, but really just the competition, wanting to be in the game and be a, you know be competing. And uh, that so I I do really think that that's what with a lot of these horse owners that's the main thing is they they it's a opportunity to you know to some degree it's kind of like owning your own sports franchise on a on a smaller level to yep. to be able to have a racing stable and go out and you know and it and it's really really cool like in the Butso's case when you have an opportunity to have a horse that you actually bred and, yeah. and see that it's like one of your kids you know being a, being a professional athlete or something how cool that would be yeah for sure now randy at canterbury this year now that we're back to a sense of normalcy uh and last year we had it to an extent uh wh- what's new what's different what do we got well as far as our racing days we have uh we have changed that up again when we, you know, in 2020, when we couldn't have crowds, you know, we went to an all weekday, Monday, Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday to get the out of state handle. And it worked, you know, it worked well. We really did get for, you know, not being able to have a crowd. It, it did uh, offset some of the decline in revenues. And so then last year we went back to, you know, we dropped Monday and added Sunday, which has always been a great family day for us. And, you know, Sunday afternoon uh, racing has always been successful. We do our wiener dog races oh, and, yeah. and uh, the camels and ostriches. Ostriches coming back this year. Are yeah, you still all, negotiating yeah, with their agents? Yeah, yeah all, all <laughs> that fun stuff. And, and uh, so, and then, but then this year we decided to, you know, we wanted to race Saturday too to to be able to get more weekend racing. So we now have a, a Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday at five o'clock post time, and then Sunday at one o'clock post time. So we're we're sort of back to our old schedule, but we're still trying to maintain some of that out of state handle with the Wednesday, Thursday racing, and we'll see how it goes. But it has been. It's been good. You know, we did learn some things in COVID um, that that have been helpful, actually. You know, and you figure out some things that work. I mean, we would have never had the guts to say, you know, well, maybe we should race Monday through Thursday and see how that goes, you know, knowing that you're going to take a beating from the crowd. Uh, but we did it uh, because of COVID and found out that our handle went up dramatically, and we really did develop a following around the country of, of horse players who hadn't really followed Canterbury and now, you know, started started watching and playing our races and joy. You know, we do have a great program, great track announcer with Paul Allen and, and good, you know, TV production and, and good quality of racing, and we've now started to be discovered around the country. But now you got PA back on the weekends. He's got to give you your weekends back again, huh? Yep, I guess so. Yep. <laughs> Remember now, now, uh, regale me with one good dark star story. When, when he was uh, at the end, uh, the last several years at Canterbury, he, he was a part-time employee for you. 
Um, but uh, what would he do on a daily basis out there when when he came out there uh, on a Saturday or whatever? What, what was his actual role? Well, it was a rather undefined role with Dark. <laughs> he, he he was the the as you know the dean of the press box, and yep. and uh, he liked to you know I mean you'd go up there and he'd have his box of pizza and his cheese curds and his pack of cools. <laughs> Uh, and and all of his entourage around him, but he he did do uh, you know of course in the early days he was a you know public handicapper and doing you know and, and start that's how he you know got started yeah. doing horse picks. Uh, but we he he you know worked on the TV show as you know we had years and years of uh, great relationship with you and and uh, Dark and oh, yeah. Sid and Ricey on yeah. the on the. Uh, Sports show, uh, and and you know he we did our own Canterbury report yep. and and got a lot of uh, you know and plus he he did do the you know handicapping before the races you know would come down and give his picks before the races so he was he was a uh, you, you know, he had a presence is what you're saying if yes, not he, defined yes he did yes he did <laughs> hey Randy we I hope we can do this again during the summer sure. but always he good is, to uh, visit with you my friend and and good to see that you're back in business and going well. Yeah, I appreciate it, Mike. It is great to be getting back to normal here and seeing fans out here and everybody cheering and having a good time. Yeah, that's all we ask. Thanks, Randy. Yep, thank you, Mike. Randy Sampson, Canterbury Park. When we come back, does Tubbs ever lay a little on the horses? He he, he likes to lay, he, he likes action. But does he do it with the ponies? Stay with us. He'll tell us. Stay with us. Or nine different players drove in runs and they never hit a home run. How's that? That's impressive. Chris Tubbs, uh, I know you like a little action here and there. Do, do, do the ponies, does the horse racing, has that ever whet your appetite? If I knew a little bit more about the ponies, yeah. absolutely, I would get. I'd get on that train in a heartbeat. The you know the problem is I've never really learned how to handicap. That's why listening to to guys like Jeff Madey and, and you know to Kevin Gord and, and you know uh, even Dave Hanlon, Superstats Dave with the the Wolves. I mean they're they're all horse guys, and and Henry Lake as well. I mean, I'm I'm literally trying to piece this along. I, I don't have enough confidence in myself to really understand betting on the ponies. Would you go out there and just play the odds? Meaning, well, here's the favorite because they're three to one. I'm just going to play the odds, and, and 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 can you get satisfaction out of that, or or or, or does that not does that leave you? Uh, uh, somewhat dissatisfied, meaning you you need more more skin in the game, so to speak, to make it fun. I, I would go out, but I probably wouldn't make it high wager. I mean, I, I'd keep it somewhat low key. You know, I, I wouldn't go out there and you know put three bills on it, you know, right out of the shoot. But I mean, if you're asking, you know, twenty twenty five bucks, yeah, I'd, I'd throw that down and see what happens. You just just until you get comfortable with it, because I mean, you know, Max, yeah, I, I like to have skin in the game just on a on a random event. I mean, that's it, to me, I, I enjoy things like that. I, but some, you know, for some people, the fun isn't just the skin in the game. It's it's the challenging themselves. Yeah, it's the to, research. Yeah, the research to yes, see if they absolutely. can outthink, they can beat the system and outthink it. And, and that's where part of the joy is extracted from. And that all of us could go out there, throw a few bucks on it, and, and, and look at who the favorite is, etc. Uh, but but can we can we buck the odds in some way, shape, or form and, and, and beat the curve? I feel it's always more. It's more exciting and it's more fulfilling. When you do put in the work and something that you have researched and you can find the trends and you can find the little nuances and something that can differentiate you from the field. I mean, that, that, that's the key is to, you know, is to 
You know, when are you going to fade something? You know, when are you going to not be contrarian? When are you going to go against the chalk? And once you do, yeah, and you hit based on everything that you've seen, it's just, it's such a great feeling because you feel like you've actually hit on something. You know what I mean? It's like when you say, here's this prospect, and I'm telling you, this kid is going to be a great Big Ten player, and he's going to go to the pros. And sure enough, he's a great Big Ten player, and he goes to the pros. And you said, "See, I told you so." But, you know, a scout would get this, for example, right? Mm-hmm. They put the research in, they compare them, uh, all that stuff, and then they see it pay off. A minor leaguer becomes a major leaguer. All those things. I think the same thing with betting would apply. The more you research, the more you do, and you say, "See, I told you so." Everybody wants to be right. I mean, yeah. nobody, nobody wants to put hours into looking at something or scouting something just to realize that you were so far off base and and everything that you had thought it was completely the opposite yeah. so i mean there's there's always satisfaction to that i think there's no question about that i i would love to learn more uh, about really getting some skin into the game with the the horse racing and i I would love to go down to Churchill Downs one time, yeah. but I would need to really know. I'd have to be more in tune with it, and I feel bad. I feel like an awful person because I'm just not, you know? Well, that doesn't I, make you awful, Chris. We still we still accept you around here. Still accept yeah, me, still accept even you. with my flaws? Even with them, and that's part of the deal at CCO. Well, I mean, you're absolutely flawless. Well, I, and, I, that's, why, that's why I feel that it's um, it's my onus to let you know, hey, so uh, you're be, still between, part of the club. You're still on the team. Between yeah. your perfection and my lack of perfection, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, I it cancels each other out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Now, we're talking about prospects, though. Yes. Uh, uh, last night, Orlando <laughs> got the number one overall pick, which means that we could have two kids from the same high school starting on the same NBA team, both lottery picks, um, unless Orlando trades the pick or they don't take Chet Holmgren. When we come back, we're going to visit with the guy that's coached and seen both of them grow up. Uh, this could be a monumental story in this state uh, and we'll talk to the man that uh, has seen it all when we come back. It's Sports to the Max. It's News Talk 830 WCCL. Welcome back. Sports to the Max. The Orlando Magic are on the clock. They ended up with the number one overall pick last night and moved up one as to compare to where they, they would have been based on the number of ping pong balls and that puts the ball in their court. And what I mean by that is they could now draft Chet Holmgren number one overall and for the first time, I think in NBA history, you could have not just two back-to-back uh, years of lottery picks from the same high school, but they could end up on the same team with Jalen Suggs already there and residing in Orlando uh, as their first-round pick last year and uh, starting guard for them. Joining us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, Brian Sanifer, uh, who runs the Sizzle Program, the Grassroots Program, and, and watched these two grow up in front of his eyes. And, and, and Brian... Uh, you know, we had talked for some time about the you know the possibility of having two lottery picks back to back out of the same high school, and and in this case Gonzaga as well. Uh, but I hadn't given this much thought until last night. Uh, were you watching and thinking about this as a possibility? You know, I've, I've been watching it. I was watching it, but it, it's kind of a thing where Larry Sugg and I have been talking about this for a while. When you know we saw that Orlando was going to fall into a possibility of being a number one pick, I said, you know, I said it would be crazy and be like a dream come true if, if him and Chet could end up playing together. You know, so it was crazy. I was sitting up last night and Chet was texting me during around the time that everything was going to go on, and I'm just like, 
you know, it kind of he kind of add more suspense to my thought process. So <laughs> I'm sitting up with my fingers crossed, and when they got to the final four and they still hadn't called Orlando, I was like, I was like, wow, man, crazy feeling. Do Do you think that he is, without question, the first overall pick? Yes, no doubt. You think that's established already? Well, I'll just say this: if if I if I was a betting man, I mean, I just think. As a businessman, when you look at Orlando's situation, a basketball-wise, first of all, basketball-wise, I think it's a great fit because he does something that the bigs they have is totally – he's totally different than all those guys. He does a little bit of what Franz does. You know, he rim, he rim protects the, the basketball better than uh, than Mo Bamba. And I just think, you know, he shoots the basketball. If you look at the guys they got, I mean, Jalen had an off-year shooting, but if you look at the guys they got – shooting at three, he would add a major, major piece to them, you know, stretching the floor, especially with his ability to break guys down that will be bigger than him in the NBA. Okay, so, and so, so, so uh, and I haven't followed this that close. Are, are there a lot of rumors about them trading the pick? Or have they locked in and saying we think we're going to keep I mean, you know, every year you get the first round pick, that there's always the, the, those rumors. Yeah. I wouldn't believe the rumors. Okay. I, I, I feel like that uh, if you look at their situation, Miami hasn't been a hot bed for basketball since Shaq and Penny's been down there. And, yeah. you know, I remember it was disappointing when, when T-Mac and Grant Hill got there because they never got to play together because one of them was always hurt. So I would say that Jalen and Chet could be the biggest thing to hit there since, since Shaq and Penny. And I think now it's a new era of marketing with social media and stuff like that. I think those two – would be uh, they would they would be doing be a major shot in the arm for you know for the whole city of Orlando. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned it. Orlando, it's been since you know we think we have droughts here. Uh, Orlando's not far behind since Shaquille was a young player playing in those pinstripes with Penny. Uh, they haven't done a lot. Haven't done a lot. Um, I think um, Jamal Mosley's. You know, I, I've been knowing Jamal for a while. I've been proud of him getting the head job there, and I think you know Jamal. Is, is looking for some answers, and I think right now they uh, they need some young talent. They need something to bring some energy into into the arena. I mean, when Jalen was healthy, Jalen was probably one of the main guys on the team that brought play with a lot of emotion, uh, got the crowd into the game when he played, and you know the way him and Chet, the chemistry that him and Chet have, you know, playing since they were middle school all the way up right now, the way they they read the pick and roll, run the pick and roll. I mean, if you look at a lot of the high school videos that they have online of those guys. They run that pick and roll probably as good as you're going to see. So I think that, you know, it would just make a lot of sense. I mean, obviously me, I'm a little biased because they're both there. But I just think basketball-wise it makes the most sense. And I think for, for, or for just for their, their whole ownership of their program makes a lot of sense. What is Chet doing now to prepare for the draft? He's working out in Santa Barbara with his, you know, working out with his personal trainer, uh, with his agency that he's with. He's working out there every day. I think he's working out five to six days a week. Knowing Chet seven days, even on off days, he tried to sneak in the gym. I mean, you gotta sometimes you gotta cut, you gotta take the keys from him to keep him out of the gym. He's so much of a gym rat. So you know he's he um he texted me last night afterwards, and he was just excited and talking about he can't wait to work, he can't wait to see all of his draft nights. So you know it's just been a great feeling, man, to to be as a as an AAU director to even be in this situation. I don't know if there's any other ones ever been in situations me and Larry have with this situation going on. But program-wise, you know, your son plays for our program. I think it's just huge for our whole program and oh, huge for the state of Minnesota, you know. But explain, you know, the Sizzle program and AAU Cross Sport, uh, you guys had a tryout this year, and I think a lot of AAU programs did, uh, and you expected uh, 
200 kids. You got 400 that showed up that wanted to play basketball. What's happening here? Um, I just think you know. I don't think every parent. I mean, the kid, the kids are. We have a very big following social media wise. You know what I'm saying? Uh huh. So you know, ten years ago, I didn't have that. Ten years ago, you know. But when you have this, the type of success that we've had with kids, you know, on the football side, the basketball side, kids that play dual sports. We've had a lot of success on that level, too. But just in the national circuit, of you know, you think about going back to Jalen, those guys when they beat Sierra Cannon on TV. That basically that game when we played on TV that night on ESPN was Under Armour Sizzle versus EYBL Sierra Cannon with Brandon Boston. Is that, that, is that how you got that deal done? No, we had a deal with Under Armour way before that deal. We had a but deal but I, mean, I mean, is that how you get the deal done to, to get that on TV for those two high schools? No, there Geico Geico run it was running events, okay. so Geico stepped in and did that. But I just think that the social media following that we have, you know, you got to think Jalen and Chet have between the two of them got well over a million followers down there. So you got to think if those guys retweet anything that we post or anything, it just goes viral. I you see. know what I mean? Yep. And, and it's just like the kids follow it. We have a very strong presence locally because a lot of the kids. You know, um, our friends of rival schools, you got Trey Holloman over at Creighton. He always supported everything we did at Minnehaha. Our kids would go support him. Those kids all have a lot of following. So if they retweet or if they tweet out something, it just is a, our program just has a ton of kids that follow us and they watch everything we do. So just like last night, I made a post just called it Orlando Sizzle on Instagram. And I probably had, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, geez, I had a thousand, a thousand views, you know? Yeah. So. So that's just that's right just one of the top. things. Like, okay. yeah, time so, it's quiet. It seems like our kids that make something happen. It seems, I guess. Now, now I saw something the other day. I know you'll you'll talk about this because I thought it was interesting. Um, you, you don't you run the program. In other words, you were there at this tournament. And I was watching this tournament, and all of a sudden there was a ruckus, and the referee was trying to figure something out. The two referees, and you came out on the court, and I thought there's got to be some administrative decision made here. And and mm-hmm. you threw a kid out of the game that was on the bench and must have said something. And you you di- you did not hesitate uh, to make that move. And a lot of people would say, "Well, it's AAU, and you got to keep these kids." And blah blah blah. And you said, "No, no, no. Uh, here's the standard. He violated it. You're gone." And, and then his mother yep. escorted him, and she was not happy with him. But just take us through that. What happened? Because because your tolerance for it was uh, was quick and decisive. Well, when you have the way we have in our program that are out there coaching, volunteering, and now, you know, we don't have a big budget to pay our coaches and stuff like that. You can't have, you know, kids chirping back to a coach. And when, you know, and I don't care if it's unpaid or not. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm just big high in respect with adults. And if you if a coach tells you you need to come on, you look at the coach and say, I'm not coming out. That's a problem for me. Yep. That's a problem for me. You know, and I just, I'm just, I'm a big, you know, we, we're, we like to let, give kids, you know, the opportunity to have a lot of fun and, and, and be able to be able to verbalize things to our coaches so we can, we have an understanding. But at the end of the day, when, when you just flat out being disrespectful, you say that or you refuse to go in the game, then, you know, that's what brought his mom out of the bleachers. And I, I respect her for coming to, 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 to my side and siding with me because it, whether she sided with me or not, obviously he was going to be done. But, you know, that's just a bad example. You don't know who's watching you. Look, you think you, your son doesn't even play on that team, and you saw what was happening. So that's what I'm saying. You yeah, know, and, and it, I got to say, it was impressive the way mom escorted him out. and said, no, 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 you're not, you're not going to sit here and watch. You're out of here. 
You're going right now. And, and, and she took control after you took control. And it was just, uh, uh, it was kind of refreshing to see. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. You know, I just, I just big on this one. You know, like I tell my kids, you never know who's watching. Like the other night, the gym was completely quiet. All of a sudden, you see, you see Jalen Suggs sneak into the gym. And all of a sudden, he's not coming in. He's not coming there trying to be the most seen or nothing like that. He sneaks in there with his aunt and them. All of a sudden, five minutes in, every kid in the gym sees who he is. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, they're going, you know, I've seen it on social media. Kids are running up to him. He's taking pictures. But, you know, at the end of the day, the kid, the kid's just trying to go under the radar. But, you know, every kid that came his way, he took a picture. He signed autographs. And that's just another one you say, why did why there's so many kids in our program? Just little things like that. Kids love that, and we're just fortunate enough to have those type of kids in our program. How has this summer gone? Has it been a typical AAU spring so far? Or what's it been like? Well, it's been rough on me because I had you know I have a, as you know I had some back end yeah. and stuff like that. But as far as a program wise, I would say this is probably the most successful year we've had in the history of the program. I mean, you were off a little bit of numbers. I say this humbly. We probably had closer to over 500 in the trial. So is that what it was? Of those five, yeah, over the, of those 500, we ended up we able to keep about 400 because you're going to have some drop-off. Kids just want to do other things, whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, when you look at it, like last weekend, as everybody's playing. This weekend, everybody's playing. You know, to, to have and they're all at multiple different events locally around here. They're playing. Uh, next weekend, we're probably going to have 28 teams playing in a big recruit look event that's going to be at, uh, at Shakopee High School next weekend where that, that some of the top teams in the Midwest and the country will be here to play. And so – Program-wise, from nine and under all the way up to 17 and under, I mean, it's just a blessing. And when you have great coaches, you know, the guys and ex-Gophers, you know, Randy Carter, Melvin Newburn, Ariel McDonald, Quincy Caldwell, Chandler Chantel. I mean, the list goes on of guys in our program that give their heart, blood, sweat, and tears to, to what we do. And no, like I said, nobody's getting paid anything, but these guys do an unbelievable job, man. And I think the guys that coach, you know, your son's team, whatever, their heart's all in the right place because, trust me, if they weren't people like you and the parents, we would they wouldn't be coming from Fargo. They wouldn't be coming from. You no, that's right, from. absolutely. In fact, somebody's asked. I get asked often about AEU programs and how do you decide. And, and I said the two things that I've learned is the, the two questions you need to ask if your son or daughter is going to play an AEU program is how big is the roster going to be and who's the coach going to be and does the coach have a kid on the team? Those things have a lot to do with the experience that you. Sometimes a, a coach that has a kid on the team is is not good, and and sometimes no. uh, if the roster size is in double digits, all of a sudden that rotation gets so big that, you know, you got a 60-minute running half, uh, you, you, the kid might only play, you know, 10 minutes of an actual game. What, what do you what do you tell them about that? Well, I think one thing about us, I think we try to be fair, you know. Um, uh, one thing, you know, a lot of programs, they base their programs based upon having just elite kids, you know. Uh, kids that are elite are going to be good no matter where they play. I yeah. think, you know, I think, you know, we, we have a program that caters to kids that are middle of the road, that are elite. Some some just want to play to play, and they can yeah. care less about trying to play. And they, they just you know? want to make their high school team, you know? They want their high school team, and they want to get better. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these kids develop lifelong friendships. I mean, you look, because of the game of basketball, you know, Larry, you know, Jalen Suggs and Chet have, have become, and a lot of kids on that team have been great friends. You know, Chase Carter, another kid. You know, these are kids that have transferred over to to our, have played other programs, but they came over. They transferred to schools with those guys. It's just like a brotherhood. And I think you know, when they a lot of these kids they come back. Last weekend, I had several alumni kids that said they were coming back in. 
come back in town and they, they, they miss the first thing they say is, boy, coach, I really miss the days when we used to play in those tournaments, you know? Yeah. So yeah, they're fun. Yep. Hey, I got to let yep. you go. I'll talk to you soon, gang. Appreciate it, my man. You too, Brian Sanifer, uh, who may have two players on the same team, both lottery picks. If Holmgren goes number one overall to Orlando, how about that? <clears throat> wow. Sports to the Max WCCO. On Twitter last night, Chet Holmgren was asked, who's the best player in the NBA? He said, me, in two months. That's confidence, huh? Wow. I lose interest in the NBA and NHL playoffs. Not that I'm not aware of who's winning, but um, once the home teams are eliminated, it's almost harder to watch uh, the the next round for me. Uh, you, you know the storylines. You know the players that are involved. I just have a tougher time um Watching, if I have a tough time watching, I guess if if if, if the local teams aren't involved, unless it gets to be a real highlight series. Tubsy, like, like not, you know, I, I was in, mildly interested in in Memphis and Golden State, and, mm-hmm. and now St. Louis and Colorado, but not overly interested. Where, where do you sit on that? I, I think sometimes it's hard for me to watch the next series. Yeah, it because is, yeah. because I'm still part of me as still a fan, is to, right? I'm still bitter. Yeah. I, it's like. I didn't want to watch Memphis because no. I was pissed that the Wolves lost that series. Uh, yeah, I was planning you know? on watching them play Golden State, and now they're not. E- exactly. And, and, I mean, it's it's like trying to watch the NFL playoffs after the Vikings were yeah, out, right? Really Especially, hard. like, trying to watch the Super Bowl after the championship yeah, games. not possible. I mean, I, you watch it, but you don't, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, part, part of you is just dead inside. Um, but it it takes me a little bit to warm back up, and I mean, in the next week or so, I'll watch a little bit more. But yeah, I watched very little of that Golden State Memphis game. I might catch clips here and there, you know, catch the entire series. Um, Blues Avalanche, I have no interest in that. Um, and, and they had a great game last night. Overtime, sixty fifty four shots for. Uh, Colorado, I think uh, Byington Stout had a great. Yeah, I, I think but I'm I just still. I'm, I'm not locked in. Yeah, I, I think I'm just a bitter sports fan. I think it's I'm a, okay I, though. I'm a poor sport the when it comes thing to my is team. That you admit it. it. Oh yeah, I, awareness I, I, oh, is yeah. the beginning to healing. Yeah, I, I mean, and and honestly, like I am a poor sport when it comes to my teams losing. I'm like, I can't watch the next game because I'm still. Like, in my feelings and feeling bad that I'm like, I keep thinking, what if, oh, man, you know, the Vikings should be here, the Twins should be here, the Wolves should be here, the Wild should be here. It's like, it, it takes yeah. me away. It's like after a breakup, right? After you break up with somebody, you just need to have that self-reflection and you have to have that pity party. And I certainly don't want to go to some bar and see him hanging out with some other guy, you know? No, well, no. That help anybody. Yeah, well, that helps me get over, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to rebound off of the Wolves' loss by You don't want to drive by their house and see that there's two silhouettes in the... No. Oh, not that that ever happened to me, but I'm no. just saying you, you, you never want that. Maxie, yeah. no. That's a Trace Atkins song. That ain't my truck. That ain't my truck. That ain't my truck. So I'm going to find another ride. And that's where the Ram truck out of Dodge of Burnsville right now. Make the switch. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tubbsy, we got a really interesting guest coming up. Bernadia Johnson was a longtime uh, superintendent and principal at the Minneapolis Public Schools. And so I want to talk about you know what role sports plays in it, but it's bigger than that. Uh, Bernadia is fighting something that she never anticipated at this stage of her life, and um, sometimes life throws you a lemon, and and she's got one. But man, does she have some people around her? I want to get her state of the city of Minneapolis and how she's fighting the fight of her life when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 